1: What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com.
2: Welcome to the show. I'm Scott. I'm Ben. And... uh they we're car stuff.
3: I don't know why I didn't do that. Oh yeah, that's right. We're still uh car stuff here with our uh super producer, No Crash Brown. Crash, I like it. Yeah, I'm, you know we're we're piloting some nicknames, uh, and you can let us know what you think would be a great nickname for our producer later. But this is part two of a very exciting topic for us.
2: Yeah, that's right. We're going to talk about our favorite movie car chase scenes, again, because uh, the first time we ran out of time. I mean, there's just so many of these out there. And and honestly, Ben, I think I'm going to end up having to abandon a few of these that I've already written plenty of notes for, mm-hmm. but uh, we, we've just got so many to cover. Likewise.
3: Uh, so let's hop right in. Well, uh, let's go ahead and do just a couple other honorable mentions because, there's some stuff you and I had talked about when we were setting this up where we said, okay, well, what what's the line? There's so many chase scenes in yeah. so many films. So are we going to – are we going to do a lot of science fiction? Um, I know there are going to be a bunch of people writing and saying, why did you guys not cover Matrix Reloaded? Yeah. Which has a great chase scene. It really is a great chase scene. Uh, however, so much of that chasing is also just people fighting. True. You know what I mean? And it's – I hope I'm not bursting anybody's bubble here, but that's not a uh that's science fiction. It's not a documentary. No. It didn't actually happen. <laughs> uh, but uh but but we do we are aware of that one and I personally I thought it was a great uh chase scene. But what about a movie that in its own way is entirely a chase scene? What's that? Vanishing point. Vanishing point, yes. I do remember that from one. uh seventy one, right? Is that uh, with a uh Challenger? Yeah, yeah, spot on, Scott. It's the white Dodge Challenger, so yeah. iconic. This guy, uh, this guy is um, the hero of his, named Kowalski, mm-hmm. ex-cop, Vietnam vet, and uh, he has a bet to drive from Denver to San Francisco in fifteen hours. Fifteen? Wait, from Denver to San Francisco? Okay, got it. Yeah,
2: hmm.
3: uh, is that now is that one
2: physically possible?
3: In the film, he uh, he does. I think he does some speed or something to to keep him got to stay awake he's got to stay up to speed yeah right? yeah uh, so let's see let's see moving on what do oh, you have next? all
2: right here i've got one uh, and there's a few of these there's a there's a super low budget film that's co- that's actually pretty popular i mean it made a lot of money at the box office later on um it's called duel and it was from 1971 and it was a steven spielberg movie it's, it's a relatively short film not very long and i think it was just based on a, uh, a again a short story that was Originally published in Playboy magazine by a guy named Richard Matheson, and he was the writer. And of course, Spielberg is the director. It was shot. The entire film was shot in less than two weeks.
3: Wow. Now, some of these
2: chase scenes that we're talking uh-huh. about, that we have been talking about, take months to shoot. And this this entire film was shot in about two weeks, maybe That's a little bit crazy. less. And again, it's very very low budget, so don't expect a whole lot of you know Hollywood glamour and glitz when you see it. But the story is pretty interesting, and again, there's not a whole lot to it. I mean, it's about a guy, a traveling salesman. His name is uh, David Mann, and he's um, he's an electronics vendor, and he's driving this red 1970 Plymouth Valiant. And then he's he's on the way, you know, he's out in these kind of back country areas. He's relentlessly pursued on a in a rural California highway road by a what they say is a demonic killer diesel engine truck <laughs> which yeah, I, yeah, I like yeah. the way they describe that right yeah. and uh the truck is actually a 1955 peterbilt 281 which has a uh, a tanker trailer behind it so of course there's this flammable cargo aspect of this whole thing but the truck looks absolutely evil i mean it's all um you know they've, they've got it painted kind of uh, flat colors you know browns and blacks and everything and it's uh yeah th- it was chosen specifically that truck was chosen Because it looks like a face when you look at it from the front. I mean, you can see the eyes, the nose, the mouth, all that stuff, right? So it has, uh, it's, it's, you know, personified, I guess, as being kind of this, this evil demon,
3: right? Oh, and, uh, Richard Matheson, that name might sound familiar to some of you because he is a horror writer. He also wrote I Am Legend, Mm -hmm. um, which eventually became a film a couple times. Oh, but this, so this has nothing really to do with anything. Do you remember a film called The Omega Man? Yes. Yeah, that was based on I Am Legend but they changed a whole bunch of it. Oh, no kidding. I Am Legend's originally about vampires and then Omega Man just was about a weird cult in not the right. in the end of the uh, civilization. I had no idea. Well, there's Omega Man. I'll have to look that up. There's not a I've got, I've got a copy if you want to borrow it. I don't know if Omega Man has any uh, car chase scenes to uh to write home about. And I guess they must not be that great cuz I don't remember them, but yes. Richard Matheson, uh, prolific writer, and uh, and apparently apparently a pretty cool guy. Yeah, and getting back to the chase in in this
2: uh, in this movie duel, um, it's kind of interesting because you know supposedly it's like a, a hidden faceless psychopathic driver, right? But he does confront this guy in a uh, in a um, I guess it'd be a roadside diner. Yeah, and uh, he gets very upset with him, and you know there's a, there's a little bit of a, a fight between the two of them, and then back on the road again. Then, of course, he's back on him again. You know, it's like, right. uh, he's back to the chasing. And there's a lot of <laughs> what they call road rage behaviors in this, in this, in this film. <laughs> and I'll tell you, there's, there's loud honking. That's fine. Okay. Fine. Pursuit. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. blocking maneuvers, yeah. uh, during attempts to pass. Tailgating and chasing at high speeds, which is, of course, Essential for our, uh, our
3: topic here. They call that the, uh, Scott Benjamin around <laughs> here, right? <laughs> yeah, right. That's real
2: nice, Ben. Alright, so, um, there's also car. Oh, and, and there's one scene where the truck is trying to push his car onto a train track. Was well, it as a train is passing? Yeah. It's a very intense scene. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty shocking to see it actually happening. Um, attempted collisions, of course. And then there's this last scene, this last, uh, you know, big confrontation, I guess, where he's finally, um, he's finally had enough. Right. And he's gonna, he's gonna ram the truck, right? Yeah. And I'm not giving anything away because this film is, uh, 44 years old at this point. <laughs> so, um, he's gonna, he's gonna smash into this, this homicidal truck driver, right? And he's gonna send him, you know, plummeting over this cliff. Well, you, know, you can watch the scene and, you know, what happens, you know, just search dual last scene or whatever, you'll find it. Um, but the interesting thing about this, and this comes from that trivia page again, is that the stunt driver that was driving the truck, the big semi truck, yeah, um he. he <laughs> this takes a lot of guts, man. The mechanism that was designed to keep the truck moving and straight during this last scene, so that it could then, you know, push this car over the hill and you know fall over the edge and you know burst into flames and everything, because uh-huh. it's a tanker truck, right? Um, they actually did crash the you know the car and the truck together and, and make them fall over. Um, the mechanism to make that happen broke on the day of the shoot, and the, the stunt driver said, "Well, I've got something, you know, another engagement that I have to be at tomorrow. Uh-huh. I got to do this today." He did the scene like he was driving the truck, and at the last second, he dove out onto the edge of the cliff and, and uh, you know, kind of did like a, a diving roll. Yeah. And if you watch that last scene, when the truck goes over, the driver's door is still open from where he had just bailed out. You don't <laughs> see him bail out. You know, of course, the, the idea is that he's in the truck still, Uh but he did bail out himself. I mean, that was like a real stunt that he did on the day of, and it was just one take,
3: and that's it. That's crazy because, you know, it's so, so risky to try to do something in just one take. And many times in a car chase, you have to because just because of the massive amount of bureaucracy involved, the massive expense of the cars you're destroying. Well, I mean, think about it. This could have been this could have been the end of his
2: life right here. I mean, if he got hung up on the steering wheel or if, you know, his boot got caught under the pedal or something, uh, you know, that kind of thing does happen, but not very often. But it does happen. And uh, and man, I just think it took a lot of guts for him to do that in a, you know right there live, I guess. Yeah, no kidding. Amazing, amazing stuff. All right, so I'm flipping through some pages here, and uh, there's one, and oh man, I don't even know. If, how about this? Let's let's do another couple quick ones, and then I yeah. want to get back to one that, okay. that is just spectacular in my mind.
3: All right, so let's go ahead and do it the way people do bar jokes. Stop me if you heard it before. Uh, Motorway, which is a. Uh, it's kind of like the driver by Walter Hill. Um, and it's two, it's, uh, two cops taking on a professional getaway driver. And so as you can tell, both from the name and the plot setup, up, this thing is chock full of some great car chases. Uh, then I guess we should talk. We, we have to mention bond a little bit. I was checking out quantum of solace. Uh, and we, you know, we mentioned it earlier already. Uh, The worst thing that can happen to an Aston Martin is to ever be within like 30 feet of James Bond. Yeah, he's going to smash it. He's going to smash it. Someone else is going to smash it. This, uh, this car chase in particular is, is pretty cool because there are parts where you see him going through a tunnel, sacrificing the door of the car, uh, doing all sorts of pretty hectic and dangerous, uh, driving. Let's see. The other one. Oh, here's a foreign film I wanted to mention. Let's see what you think about this. Okay.
0: This summer, click into Memorial Day Savings at the Home Depot and get after those outdoor projects with some serious cordless power from RYOBI. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the RYOBI 40-volt battery-powered mower. Leaves and debris are no match for the 40-volt power of the Ryobi leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Tidy up those flower beds and keep your walkways looking sharp with Ryobi's 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Yard work, done and done. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source, The Home Depot. Shop now at The Home Depot or homedepot.com. How doers get more done. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
1: Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Rappaport's reality, the reality a little of bit. us. We're a figuring little bit. out. And <laughs> if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. It, it, would have been Ooh, a, it would have been the been podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
3: The Ra- this is a sequel, The Raid Two Barendal. It's a new film, and uh, it's directed by somebody named Gareth Evans. Uh, this is a multi-vehicle chase, which almost all of our vehicle chases are, right? Uh, and it gives you a shot inside of the cars during the chase. And in some of the cars, they're there close-quarter Salat combat zone. Uh, that's an Indonesian martial art. So it's going out of the car chases into the cars – to show these people, you know, uh, fighting inside the car and then going out to see that they're, how they're driving as well. Pretty, pretty intense.
2: All right, Ben, there's a few that I feel like I just need to mention, and, and we can spend as much or as little time on them as you like, okay? Um, but I feel like we just need to get the names out there so that people know yeah. we've been watching these or we're interested in these because these are cool. Smokey and the Bandit. Oh, the, yeah, the original. Yeah. We have to mention Smokey and yeah. the Bandit. I mean, the whole thing, I mean, it was a... Um, it's a Hal Needham film, and he was, of course, a, a career stuntman, and he's the one who directed this. Uh-huh. Um, so you know he's going to have a heavy interest in, in seeing stunts in the film. Um, you know the story. I mean, it was a what's the guy's name? Um, I, I think um, Burt Reynolds. His name was Bo, right? In this, uh-huh. and then there's the snowman who was uh, Randy <laughs> Travis, I believe, right. right? Yeah. And Carrie was um, Sally Field. If I'm, I, I'm just going off the top of my head. I think that was right. Um, but the whole thing is so much fun because it's it's really a uh, well what they call it is like a, a redneck cop comedy chase scene through the whole thing. I mean, the entire thing <laughs> is a chase scene. And the entire premise of this film is that there's an eighty thousand dollar prize bet to drive an 18 wheel tractor trailer rig full of bootleg Coors beer <laughs> from halfway across the United States from Georgia to Texas and then back in 28 hours flat and uh and you know of course bo is uh, kind of like the lookout for the for the tractor trailer right um, yeah. on the way and the police are after him the whole time it's just it's it's fun it's a lot of fun to watch and uh you know some of the the i guess the hijinks that they get into along the way you know some of the um the stuff with Jackie Gleason is, who plays the cop is just so <laughs> funny you know, like when they're interacting in the uh, in the diner um you know they're they're kind of listening to each other's conversations it's so funny but um but one quick thing i want to mention here is that you know during the filming of that um, a senior executive at Pontiac told he, he told Burt Reynolds that he would give him a free Trans Am a Pontiac Trans Am if the film became a success. And of course, it was. And the 1977 Pontiac Trans Am became uh, like one of the hottest sellers of that year or actually of the next two or three years, because the sales went up from something like sixty eight thousand seven hundred forty five in 1977, which is still pretty high. Went up in 1978 all the way to 93,341, and then in 1979, just two years later, 117,108 Pontiac Transams were sold, and that's almost entirely
3: because of you know the appearance of that car in that film. You know what? That's a really great point that we we should make sure to emphasize, Scott. Uh, if you are if you are a car manufacturer, one of the best things to ever happen is to have a starring role one of your vehicles have a starring role in the car chase uh, primarily being the protagonist car that's like that's the spot you want oh, right of course
2: and you know what can i if i'm cutting you short yeah, yeah, no, here no, but no. but i've been really really paying attention to this in the last maybe couple of years two or three years yeah and anytime you're watching a television show or a film or whatever you're going to notice that hey man it seems like everybody's driving a ford in this film why everybody
3: is everybody is hopping into an Audi. Yeah. Yeah. Why
2: is that? Why is that happening? I mean, of course it's a sponsorship, it's a product sure. placement, right? Yeah. I mean, just like when you know someone walks into the room and there's a Pepsi can on the on the uh, uh-huh. on the table, that's not there by accident. I mean the car thing is huge and for a car uh you know, a car manufacturer to be part of a feature film like that, especially one that features you know, car chase scenes, you know, where the
3: car is the star in that scene. Yeah. That is huge. And there is a lot of return on it because, you know, as you were saying with the Trans Am numbers, uh, this, that's far from the only example. Part of the reason that, uh, Dodge challengers have, uh, remained so iconic and not even to mention the Mustang itself, uh, is because they repeatedly occur inside these different fictional worlds and when they do occur they're almost always presented as great cars even if the people who drive them are bad they have great performance handling they're doing stunts why wouldn't you want a car like that and you know one
2: perfect perfect example is the uh you know the remake of the italian job uh uh, with the mini because they brought back the same Mini, not the exact same minis they brought back the new mini coopers uh you know for for the 2003 remake and one quick thing about that film that we didn't get to mention, you know, they brought them back in the same colors, the red, white, and blue, of course, but the updated version. Um, of course, this time, you know, the heist was $35 million in, in gold instead of, you know, the original $4 million in gold. Because, uh, you know, in, in 1969, you could get by on $4 million, which now right. you can't. You need, you have to have $35 million now.
3: I mean, that's just to get to the table. I mean, and <laughs> that was uh, that was 12 years ago at this
2: point. Can mm-hmm. you believe that? 12 years ago? 2003? Wow. Uh, so anyways, they, they had uh, British... F1 driver Damon Hill trained all the drivers in the remake. You know all the people that were going to be driving the uh, the mini cars, and they said that um, clear, you know, head and shoulders above everybody else. Um, and I'll see if I can get her name right because I'm not good with actresses' names. Uh-huh. Charlize Theron. She was far and away the best driver of all of the stars in that film.
3: Charlize Theron. Yeah, huh? yeah.
2: Um, that's a, that's according to Damon Hill. He said that she just really, for whatever reason, just really took to it, and she was uh, just the best driver that was on the set.
3: Huh. Well, you know, there's not a lot that she can't do. I don't know honestly. why I
2: didn't expect that. I mean, I, I I just didn't. But I mean, she really took to it. And you can if if you watch the scenes now, you can see how much fun she's having driving. And mm-hmm. I think it, uh, clearly it's uh, something. Well, maybe she should look at it as a career choice after acting.
3: All right. Now, uh, I. F- think at this point let's see how many how many do you want to list well let me
2: tell you i've got i've got two more that i would like to talk about it yeah. kind of in detail let's go with those okay all right so um i'll, I'll save this one for the last one but um let's talk about the blues brothers
3: ah yes how about that okay yes. the blues
2: brothers and not just the mall chase scene because there's several car chase scenes in this film mm-hmm. and this is getting right to the heart of the ones that we talked about early early on with the demolition style you know demolition derby style chase scenes um, just, well, <laughs> I'll tell you, there were 103 cars that were wrecked during the film, filming of the, of the Blues Brothers. And we're talking about the 1980 yeah, Blues Brothers. 1980, and that was a world record in 1980. But then just two years later, uh, there was a film called um, The Junk Man. And uh, there's a director coming up that, uh, I think his name is Halicki. Is that uh-huh. right? H.B. Hillicky. Yeah. Um, the, the movie called The Junk Man wrecked 150 cars in 1982, which became the new world record. And then 20 years later, uh, The Matrix Revolutions came out in, in 2003, and they wrecked something like 300 cars. But mm-hmm. um, totally different feel to it, though. I mean, when you see it happening in The Matrix Revolutions, it's totally different from what you see and hear in The Blues Brothers. It's almost like the the 103 cars in The Blues Brothers on me had more impact, you know, the way that the way that impact, I shouldn't have said it that way. Uh-huh. But it had more impact on me, um I don't know if it was emotionally or what. I mean it was just exciting to see it happening in the Blues brothers. Um not that the other one wasn't exciting. Well it but, just
3: seems it seems more realistic again going back to that um to the idea no that well that, realistic I mean come on. that yeah. car chase okay. But the the car chase in uh in Matrix Reloaded uh is I'm
2: thinking. I'm talking about
3: revolutions. Oh, revolutions! Revolutions. Okay. They wrecked 300 cars in the revolutions. I don't know what they did and reloaded. Probably slightly less. But it's still okay. Maybe this is part of it, Scott. Maybe it's that it has to matter when the cars are wrecked, and the more cars that happen like that, just casually to the side, you know, the less important it becomes. Here's the other thing. Okay, in 1980.
2: I know that they were really smashing up those cars. I mean, I know that that was actually happening, right? There. You know, they were they're were really doing it. Yeah. In 2003 in The Matrix Revolutions, I, and I know they really did smash the cars, but I almost felt like I was watching something that was computer generated. I mean, I don't know why that was. I mean, it was just felt like, um, you know, so much of the film was CGI. Right. Then when you see all these cars being smashed, you're thinking like, well, maybe that, some of that's not real, maybe some of it is. It, apparently a lot of it was real, uh, the car chase stuff. Mm-hmm. But you do get that sensation like you're uh, you're well, I guess you're desensitized to it a bit
3: at that point. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. That's the word I was looking all for. Right. So, desensitized. All right. So we do have to talk just
2: quickly about the car itself. It was a, uh, it was a converted 1974 Dodge Monaco that the uh, the Blues Mobile. Right. Yes. And um, <laughs> this is really cool. Then when they did the uh, the permits, um, so they got the, the proper permits. They actually did get permits from the city of Chicago to drive because. The last, what, half hour of the film, I guess? Yeah. They, they drive 106 miles towards downtown Chicago, being pursued by police cars the entire way. So you can imagine that the last 30 minutes is just, you know, action-packed, right? <laughs> right. And And um, sometimes they reach speeds up to 120 miles per hour, which is incredible because they really were driving 120 miles per, per hour in downtown Chicago. They were approved uh, through Chicago, you know, with uh, with the proper permits. Or two 100 plus mile per hour passes underneath the elevated train in downtown Chicago. Now, can you imagine seeing those cars? Because when you watch that, you think, "No way! They're speeding that up. It's got to be, it's got to be, uh, you know, messed with in, in post production." Oh yeah, yeah. They really are driving. I think it, they said they reached 118 miles per hour mm-hmm. in that scene. They did that twice, you know, for the for the take. And again, you know, that's those steel girders, um, right, passing very close by. That's such a dangerous thing to do. I mean, it's an incredible stunt.
0: Tidy up those flower beds and keep your walkways looking sharp with RYOBI's 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Yard work, done and done. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source, The Home Depot. Shop now at The Home Depot or homedepot.com. How doers get more done.
1: Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast.
3: the director, right, John Landis, Mm -hmm. uh, he specifically said that he reshot some of those scenes with pedestrians on the sidewalk because of the same concern mm-hmm. that, oh, people are going to think this part is fake. Yeah. Now, don't don't get us wrong, ladies and gentlemen. There's plenty of stuff about the Bluesmobile that is clearly fake, especially the part where it flips backwards in the air yeah. and flies. OK, you're getting to a part where I have to talk about this because this right.
2: falls under the weird category. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. All right. There's a scene where and I and I'm going to just off the top of my head again. Weren't there some Nazis in a pinto? in that scene because they, they come to a part of this bridge right and there's this there's this unbelievably high bridge right they're, they uh they fall off the crazy you mentioned that the car flips backwards right and yeah it makes it safely to the other side of the missing part of the bridge right the overpass yeah. well i believe the nazis and the pinto uh they didn't fare so well they went over the edge and of course were uh suddenly it seemed like they're thousand feet in the air right yes. and they're falling right yeah so here's the weird part about this so before they could film the falling pinto scene the filmmakers had to get what they called an, uh, this is weird, an air unworthiness certificate (laughs) uh, for the Pinto. So they had to practice the fall uh, for the FAA to approve this, you know, for them to drop a uh, a Pinto. Because if you truly do drop a Pinto, uh, what's the chance that it's going to turn into an airfoil and it's going to, uh, you know, um, uh, veer off from its intended course? It's not going to drop like a brick, right? Yeah. So they had to make sure that it would do that. They had to get this air unworthiness certificate from the FAA so that they knew when they dropped it, it would drop straight down. And it, of course it did. Uh, not particularly aerodynamic car, the, uh, the, the Pinto. And, uh, <laughs> it all worked out fine, but it was so funny how they, you know, they fall off this bridge and suddenly they're, again, like 20,000 feet in the air. It's, it's ridiculous. And then of course the mall chasing, I don't know what we can say about that. That was just amazing. Um, they rented that mall. It was already shut down <laughs> for a full year when they did this. And it's an incredible scene. If you've never seen the, the mall scene, the mall chase scene from the Blues Brothers. You yeah, know,
3: you can just watch it online now. Definitely
2: watch it. But uh, they rented the Dixie Square Mall in Harvey, Illinois, which, had, again, had been shut down. And the uh, they, they promised, this is funny, they said that um, about a year later, I think, they, the uh, Universal Studios was sued for something like $87,500. Even, even though the mall was closed down. Because the um, they said that they they had failed to return the mall to its original condition, <laughs> which was never agreed upon by the by the um, by the studios and the people. I guess it, there was no contract or anything like that. So, but they were sued for eighty seven thousand five hundred dollars. Um, and and you know later, much later on, that mall was torn down, like two thousand twelve, I think it was. Uh-huh. The mall was completely flattened. But um, again, if you want to see some cars piling on top of each other, particularly um, police cars. The Blues Brothers from
3: 1980 is the one to see. So, yeah, with, no there are car chases in the the newer one, but um yeah. I don't know about you, but for for me the original Blues Mobile and actually the original Blues Brothers movie was mm-hmm. a little bit more fun. Not to say anything bad about John Goodman who's oh, great. At all. Blues Brother in his own right. Sure. Did you see on Saturday Night Live uh where they brought back the Blues Brothers just for a second? I did. Can I can I say
2: something just kind of off Yeah, the cuff? yeah, yeah. When they brought them out, remember how it used to be like there was there was one heavy one, one thin one. Yeah, uh, they brought them out; they were both a little heavy. <laughs> I mean, I'm not one to t- I'm not one to talk, but I mean, for for just a quick second, I was looking, thinking like, which one's Elwood? Which one's Elwood? Yeah, yeah. And I, I again, I I hate that I'm like that, but I mean, it was kind of it was interesting to see after all these years because that was a long, long
3: time ago. Yeah, they held up. They um, you know what though they they held up, and I know um. The Belushi brothers, uh, I was, I was surprised because I was expecting it would be Goodman and Aykroyd, but yeah. when it came in and I saw it was John Belushi's brother, I was like, wow, this and, is amazing.
2: And I don't mean to take any weight thing away from the performance. It was, it was pretty incredible to see them back on stage again uh, together. That was cool. Alright, so. The last one that I want to cover here, Ben, unless you've got some more you'd like to pepper in here. Oh, let's I think, see.
3: I want to see if we've are gonna if we got the same one in mind. The final one that I want to talk about is Gone in 60 Seconds. Ah, Gone in 60 Seconds. That's not the one I thought it would be, but this is perfect to talk about because that movie is bananas. It
2: is. And now this is, I'm talking about the 1974 Gone in 60 Seconds. The original. The original Gone in 60 Seconds. And here's the thing about this video. Well, there's a lot of things about this video, but... If you watch it on YouTube, you know how they kind of limit clips to about 10 or 12 minutes, I guess, you know, sure. sure.
3: yeah.
2: I, I don't know why that is really, but um you have to watch this chase scene. It's so long. You have to watch it in like three or four parts of 12 minutes each. That's how long this one particular chase scene lasts. Yeah. Now it's a, it's a 97-minute film if you want to watch the entire thing. The, the last 40 minutes of it are one chase scene. Four, yes. 40 minutes of this is a chase scene with one car Evading the police.
3: Ninety-three cars were wrecked, you guys. Incredible. Not all of the onlookers were actors. No, no, this is, this is, there's there's so many things about this. Now, this is the one where
2: the driver is the director. Okay, so the director of the film, it's a very, and believe it or not, when you watch this, you're not going to be able to guess this now, you know, looking back, but this was a low-budget film. It was a very low-dollar feature film that they used a lot of auction cars. So the, uh, the director used the tactic of going to, um, you know, city auctions and buying police cars at something like, you know, an average of like $200 a piece. And he uh, just started gathering these things for, I think it was up to a year. And he kept them on one big parking lot, you know, for his use later on. They were relatively unused. I think, you know, he had some, some work done to them to do whatever they needed in the film. Uh, but, you know, roughly $200 a piece is what he was spending on these cars. So the, the budget for the whole film was very, very low. And I gotta say this, Ben. You like the Beastie Boys? yeah okay have you ever seen their sabotage
3: video uh-huh the music video yeah
2: I, right away when you see the beginning of this chase scene, where the you know the, the driver is getting into eleanor the mustang you know the, uh-huh. the, the yellow mustang yeah it looks a lot like you know that that cheesy kind of uh, you know long sideburns big hairy mustache uh-huh. um it looks a lot like the sabotage get-ups you know with the big glasses and everything yeah it's so funny to see you almost <laughs> you have a little chuckle at first but then you realize like this guy's got some serious driving skills Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, in the scene, again, 40 minutes long. And the thing about this, this, uh, this clip, this 40 minute clip is that a bunch of this stuff that happens here is unintended. It's, it's accidents that really happen. I mean, they, he hits a, he hits a telephone pole at 85 miles per hour. He sideswipes a telephone pole, injures himself horribly, loses consciousness. Yeah. That's right. I think I told you this in the hallway, right? One, one thing that, you know, after this telephone pole scene, they said as soon as he regained consciousness, he asked if we got the shot. And it's like, oh, this happens over and over and over again because this this scene, this, this one 40-minute scene, I believe, supposedly took seven months to film. Which I totally believe it. Seven months. That's a long, long time. All right, so the the amount of destruction that you see in this 40 minutes is just unbelievable it's mayhem it it is absolute mayhem this is where this is where the 93 cars are crushed you know during this whole thing or or destroyed um and we said that the the star you know there's this one really big climactic scene i guess where they come back to a previous crash scene because he's all over the place in this he comes back and there's this huge jump i think the jump clears something like 100 and what is it 138 feet 128 feet wow is how far he jumps in this really just beat the hell mustang uh, it's a Mach 1 Mustang, a 73 Ford Mach 1, uh, again, nicknamed Eleanor. And they said that, you know, of course, he did the jump himself. And they said that after that jump, this guy never walked the same again. Like he, uh, I think he compressed his vertebrae during the jump. Oh. And said that for, you know, the rest of his life, he's, he's just never has has walked right again after that.
3: That's rough, man. Yeah, terrible. yeah I'll
2: say. Um, again, all these auction cars that were brought... Um, there's a couple of scenes like where there's a roadblock set up and um, there's a scene where a detective, a, a, I think it's a real life detective, actually, who was, you know, playing a, a part in this, uh, was nearly killed. I mean, because they hit the car with such force that, you know, the car that was part of the barricade was thrown into the actor. Um, so there's a lot of like real, you know, real stuff happening in this that they decided to leave in because no one was killed. No one was, you know, uh,
3: seriously injured. They were oh, injured. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I, I, think I know the story you're talking about. You're talking about... Um the detective. Uh, well, I let's see. Is he actually a detective? Uh, the guy's named J.C. Agajanian uh, was almost killed when Halicki missed his mark in a chase, hitting an unmarked Plymouth Belvedere patrol car, sending it uh, careening toward the guy.
2: And and I'll tell you this this film it will surprise you at every turn. Really, I mean, you know that you kind of know what's going on, right? But then they'll, they'll suddenly they'll be indoors at a car dealership. You know, in this chase scene, uh, he'll smash into. What what at the time were a row of brand new Cadillacs. I mean, oh, it destroyed man. all of them. It's just it's in, it's incredible the amount of destruction that happens in this this forty minute se- sequence. And if you have to watch it, you know, part one, two, three, four, I still say it's worth it. That's the way I did it. I watched you know all four parts. I didn't watch the whole film or anything like that. I've, I have seen it in the past, mm-hmm. uh, but in fact, now that I'm talking about it, later today I'm going to have to go watch it again because it it really is when you when you watch it with the knowledge that you know, some of the stuff is real. Some of it was intended to happen. Um, you're watching for the real stuff. You know, after you look at the trivia for the, for the film, maybe
3: it's, it becomes just another level of interesting to me. Ah, yes. And speaking of interesting, now it is time to ask the question we wanted to ask you guys at the end. Uh, having heard some of the behind the scenes accounts of these fictional car chases, well, excuse me, semi fictional car chases in many points, uh, what in your opinion is one of the best car chases that we didn't mention? And, uh, if you could play the part of any character in any film, right? Car chase involved, uh, what, what part would you want to play and why? Cause here's what we didn't talk. We, we haven't talked about Mad Max, uh, but don't worry. Spoiler alert. Uh, we have something like that on the way. Yeah.
2: There's a new Mad Max film.
3: Uh huh. Yeah. And so, so we're kind of waiting on that one, but, uh, we would really like to hear. Uh, what, what do you think is one of the best little known car chases, right? Any, uh, trivia or facts we have about it. And again, um, I, if we haven't said it before, uh, we do want to thank any of the, uh, professional stunt drivers listening to this podcast, uh, because what they are doing is a craft. You know, it's a real art. You know, I,
2: I miss, I, I miss some of the older stuff from the 1970s, 1980s, like we said, with, you know, the demolition derby style crashes. Yeah. But I, I was watching just a real quick clip today, and I didn't even talk about this film, but there's a film called The Junk Man. And one of the just, like, wanton destruction of cars, I guess, you know, like just additional, like, it seems like it's an interesting way to do it, but it just destroyed cars just really for no good reason, I guess, in the scene is that. He pushes over a sign with a Corvette, like a new Corvette, uh-huh. pushes over a restaurant sign onto it, and there's cars. Now, picture them in a, in a parking lot. You know, these are the 1970s, so they have this giant hoods. Yeah. You know, that are, that are, look like they're about an acre each, you know, in size. <laughs> and they're all bumper to bumper, you know, and tight, so that it makes one big surface. So between the windshields, there's this nice big flat area. So he pushes over a sign, and in this brand new Corvette, gets up on top of the cars and drives all the way across, like this row of cars on the hoods. And, I mean, there must have been 30 cars destroyed in that scene. And then the police follow, and they get stuck. And, you know, the, the people at the, the restaurant are left, you know, in amaz- you know, staring in amazement at their cars being destroyed. It's just we don't get to see stuff quite like that anymore. And if there are films out there like that, it seems like they're few and far between now. I mean, it yeah. seemed like that was kind of the staple back then, you know, that that was the car chasing. You would destroy 100 cars at a time. We don't get to quite see that anymore. And I know I mentioned the Matrix um what was it, Revolutions or which uh-huh. one was it? I can't remember. Um but three hundred cars destroyed in that one. We but but not quite the same fashion as we saw back in the nineteen seventies, nineteen eighties.
3: There's something just a little more visceral
2: and real about the older car chases. I don't know what it is, Ben. I don't know if it's like the V eight sounds, if it was like the, the real steel cars instead of, you know, like the um, a lot of plastic bits yeah, being torn yeah. off and stuff like that. Um and then it's also maybe that, you know, the, in modern chase scenes, uh, it's often, you know, covered up with a lot of music you know there's a lot of like real hard driving music and uh and maybe some yelling and some screaming between yeah. the the, uh, the people but you don't get
3: to hear the engine noises it's not as as visceral i guess as, yeah. as was the chasing and bullet and it's not yeah it, there's something about that lack of polish in some of these things that makes it seem more like a real chase like here's just one example i'll walk out on right okay there was this director named umberto Lenzi, and he was screening uh movie he had called Rome armed to the teeth from 1976 and he says that some of the sirens you can hear that during this chase scene, an ambulance is hijacked he said some of the sirens that you can hear in this hijacking scene are not ambulance sirens and you know you can tell the difference between ambulance police sirens but sirens from actual law enforcement who are chasing the vehicles oh no kidding yeah so that's what often uh, wow because they often shot uh, some of these things without official permission. So of course the police think they're stopping grand theft.
2: And sure, as we heard many times, you know they uh, sometimes they're operating right on the edge of the law. You know, I mean, or, or completely on the other side. You know, where they're not allowed to be shooting in a certain city, a certain location, um, at certain speeds. Um, you know, it's gotta be it's gotta be tricky for um, you know directors to pull something like that off when you don't have the proper permits and you're still worried about hurting somebody because that could be the end of your career. It could be the end of the studio that you're working. Yeah. For. Um, so, man, what a, what a risky business to be in, and,
3: I mean, in all aspects, really. We hope you enjoyed this. We hope that you write back to us uh, with some answers to those questions. Uh, who would you most like to be in a car chase in any film? Uh, what is something we missed that other listeners need to know about? And uh, do you have any ideas for something we should cover in upcoming episodes? You can find us on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, we're CarStuffShow.com, and you can write to us directly. We are CarStuff and HowStuffWorks.com.
1: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit
0: HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility.
2: What's up, y'all?
0: Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankowitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks.